Hello, and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a, takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan, and beside me is Ben, and we thank you all for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. It's a brand new month, three months into 2018 already, and life is still the same. It's been great. But... <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully everyone's doing all right out there. Thanks so much for sticking with us. And uh, as a brand new month comes along, it's uh, one of our favorite episodes that we always like to do this month in history for March. Something that we do have to point out, though, is that not even a month from now would be an entire year of podcasting together, which is awesome. And we'd like to drum up something interesting um, you know, and fun for you guys for our large one-year anniversary together. Make sure you grab the napkins because it's going to be... Full of happy tears. <laughs> uh, that'd be kind of cool, to get, you know, to get some emails or something like that about uh, some cool show ideas for our one-year show. That'd be pretty neat to hear some feedback on what what listeners would want us to do. Hey, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think it'd be great, especially from listeners all the way from the beginning. Uh, send us an email on what you'd like us to talk about on our one-year anniversary. Send us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com anyway if you haven't found us yet or you're just trying to discover us the best way to listen to us we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify uh, Podbean Google Play um, as well as Player FM we're kind of you know feeling as much as we can to get out there um, and and reach as many people as possible make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter give us the like give us a shout out and make sure you rate us on Apple Podcasts as that really helps us grow and reach out to more people without further ado Ben how you doing big guy Oh, it's always a good day. <clears throat> How are you doing? <laughs> oh, you know, it's always a good day. Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's kick it off at this month in history. What do you got? <laughs> uh, well, I, feel, I feel like neither of us were 100% serious in that uh, response. Um, well, usually right. you say it's always a good day to record Young Nostalgia, but you just <laughs> never said it. I was like waiting for you to say it, and you just didn't. <laughs> Gotta keep you on your toes. <laughs> All right, March first, um, nineteen seventy-four. Uh, <laughs> common theme here: uh, seven former high-ranking officials of the Nixon White House were indicted for conspiring Ooh. to obstruct the investigation into the Watergate break-in. Um, I think I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of a tradition now to have something about either Nixon or Clinton in the yeah, this month's history. We're start, starting off hot right now. I know. Um, among those <laughs> indicted uh, were former Chief of Staff H.R. Haldeman, uh, former Top aide John uh, <laughs> er- Erlkman, uh, and former Attorney General John Mitchell. So, I mean, that's... Here we go. I, I mean, I mean I that's just pretty last as high month- as it gets. Yeah, yeah, I know. And just last month, we were even talking about how Clinton was uh, cited for, like, the instructed... Um, obstruction of justice and this is almost just like the same kind of thing and i know you've kind of talked about how it's always in terms of like these political uh scandals or conspiracies or whatever it's always easy to come up with the obstruction of justice uh oh yeah claim those, i guess it's one of those kind of things that's just like a a, a general catch-all for for ne'er-do-wells <laughs> yeah exactly exactly oh man I, I apologize in advance. Uh, 
our cats are kind of rambunctious, so you might have just heard some rumbling in the background <laughs> as one of them fell off a little cat tree. <laughs> All right, you know what? This is a serious matter. Back to <laughs> professional podcasting. On March 1st, we had a birthday back in 1904. American band leader Glenn Miller, born in 1904, passed away in 1944, was born in uh, Calorinda, Iowa. Uh, his music gained enormous popularity during the 1940s through recordings such as Moonlight Serenade and String of Pearls. And uh, on December 15th, 1944, his plane disappeared over the English Channel while en route to Paris, where he was scheduled to perform. I mean, Glenn Miller is just kind of one of those guys that has always been in the big spotlight in terms of big band swing era. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with any Moonlight Serenade or anything like that. Um, and and I know there's you know huge doubts and conspiracies over his plane disappearing. I mean, you always think about weird stories when when planes disappear. Oh yeah, yeah. No matter what, I mean, if there's anything that goes wrong like that, whether it's high profile or not, there's always going to be some sort of conspiracy theories or something you know something like that to go along with it especially when it's someone of uh, celebrity status or any sort of uh, famous person yeah all right so moving on a little bit skipping a day going to march 3rd of 1847 we have another birthday uh this one is for alexander graham bell um who is the inventor of the telephone of course uh he was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, and early on, uh, Bell and his father were really involved with teaching deaf people how to speak, um, since that's something, you know, not being able to hear uh, what you're saying or hear what anyone else is saying, it's hard to emulate those uh, sounds. And uh, he developed an interest in the vibrating meth, me- excuse me, developed an interest <laughs> In the vibrating membrane as a method of electrically transmitting sounds, uh, his first, his very first sentence ever spoken on the uh, new invention of the telephone was on March 10th, 1876, um, was to his assistant, and it was, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. What do you think he wanted him for? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure the response was, I mean, I th- if I'm remembering this right, I'm pretty sure it was like, Nah, don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, screw you. I'm busy. <laughs> actually, actually, Alexander Graham Bell. He picks up the telephone, and all he hear, all he hears is the is the dial up tone. Yeah, no, he probably picked it up and heard the busy sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Happy birthday, Alexander Graham Bell. March 4th, 1789, the first meeting of the new Congress under the new U.S. Constitution took place over in New York City, New York. Kind of neat. I mean, we've yes, talked about this a lot. Talked about, talked about this a lot in, in the past in terms of how uh, government changed quite a bit after the Revolutionary War um, in terms of like the Articles of Confederation um, and... Uh, kind of the reforming and, and really getting the ground structure of what the U.S. government is. And uh, back on March 4th, 1789, was when the first uh, Congress met under the, as we know it, U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. And, and he, you know, he said even as we know it. And I can't imagine how much different um, 
you know it was back then even though it was working on the same uh both going off of the constitution you know how much different it was still even than what it is today Uh uh-huh all right march 5th 1946 uh the iron curtain speech was delivered by winston churchill at westminster college in fulton missouri um Churchill used the term to describe the boundary in Europe between uh, the the Western free countries and the other side of Europe, which was under uh, Soviet Russia's control or the Soviet Union. <clears throat> and th- that was a, a a term that you know, it, it, not only was it the name became the name of the speech, but that was a, a a term that it was just commonplace to use. I mean, that was that turned into the name of the boundary line pretty much uh-huh yeah and, and it's always fun to to google or look back up at like old cartoons like political cartoons and mm-hmm. how they would like represent that iron curtain and those i know that was very popular as well yeah yeah and that, you know, that's such a that would have been such an easy subject of uh satire whether it's you know on radio or television or in you know comics like you were saying like in the paper um easy because it's so prominent in culture but also uh you know easy for um just because you know easy for the west to make fun of it just because of you know how uh how different it was even on the other side even if there was no actual you know wall or curtain or anything like that it was just such a defined line and how uh, countries operated. Uh huh. All right. Mar uh, birthday on March 9th, nineteen thirty four. Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gar uh, Gagarin, sorry, was born <laughs> in Gushts, Russia, on April twelfth, nineteen. Oh, excuse me. Um, into his career as a cosmonaut on April twelfth, nineteen sixty one, he became the first human in space, orbiting in a capsule 187 miles above the Earth's surface in a flight lasting uh, approximately 108 minutes. His space flight, space flight caused a worldwide sensation and kind of marked the beginning of the space race between the U.S. and the Soviet uh, Union and uh, launched the, like, to push the Americans um, to want to, to, to go into space. So President John, President John F. Kennedy later uh, asserted the U.S. would land a man on the moon before the end of the 1960s, and which, as we know now, was accomplished. It was. You know, <laughs> for Gagarin, uh, being the first person in space, I mean, that has got to be so, at, at the moment, it's got to be so incredibly awesome, while also, like, the most terrifying thing imaginable yes <laughs> like, i mean he was the first one thing he, oh, he was the first one to see that kind of thing you know nobody has ever mm-hmm. seen that before until he saw that yeah and that's and that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> um all right and, moving and forward <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> i was just about to say and and that's all i gotta say about that <laughs> Uh, okay, so moving forward, March 10th, 1862, uh, we have the first issued U.S. government paper money occurred as um, the 5 the 10 and the $20 bills began circulation. Wow. 
Can you imagine how 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 long twenty two dollars would go for back then? I mean, that would probably last <laughs> you a couple months. <laughs> oh yeah, no kidding. Well, that was probably <laughs> you know was getting coming up on a uh, a very wealthy person's monthly income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, man, dude, I can spend twenty dollars easily in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easy. I mean, you can go to anywhere. You go get a meal at a restaurant, twenty bucks minimum. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. March eleventh, nineteen forty one. During World War Two, the Lend Lease program began allowing Britain to receive uh, American weapons, machines, raw materials, training, as well as repair services. Ships, planes, guns, and shell shells, along with food, clothing, and metals, went to the embattled uh, British while American warships began patrolling the North Atlantic and the U.S. troops were stationed in Greenland and Iceland. So mainly this was kind of a uh, program, some sort of agreement, where uh, the U.S. would be able to support and help the British without being fully stepped in and fully involved in the war. Right, and around the time, um, there wasn't a huge amount of support for entering a war um as far as the united states opinion went and you know this was kind of way that you know without necessarily declaring war and going in there kind of against uh a politician's constituents uh opinion this was still a way to aid the war effort without necessarily sending troops into action exactly exactly and uh in President Roosevelt's terms, he said, we must be the great arsenal of democracy, as he declared this concerning the flight, concerning the fight against Hitler's uh, Germany um, in Europe. So the initial appropriation was seven billion dollars, but by 1946, the figure reached more than 50 billion dollars in aid from the U.S. to uh, its other allies throughout World War II. That's insane. I mean, we were such. We were such a a power horse after, like a powerhouse after after World War Two, and just like the amount of help that we were able to crank out um, and give to the Allies throughout the war effort was insane. We grew to a an like international world superpower within years. Oh yeah, and that fifty billion dollars you just said was that was fifty billion dollars to Allies in 1946. So at this time. That was $50 billion in addition to our own expenditures with being, with occupying, uh, occupying those countries. And so that, you know, that, that $50 billion alone is just what we were sending out in aid, not counting anything we were already using, which is kind of crazy to think about as well. It is really crazy. (laughs) In... On March 12th, 1888, we have the Great Blizzard of 88, which struck uh, the northeastern U.S., um, lasting a total of 36 hours. Um, And there was 40 inches of snow in New York City um, alone, which (laughs) 40 inches of snow is, that's ridiculous. That's, (laughs) I can't even imagine 40 inches of snow. Um, at once, not like over the course of a winter season. Um, <clears throat> and to go along with that, uh, 40 inches of snow in New York, there were also uh, 400 people actually ended up dying because of the storm. 
Dang. Which is also a very huge number just for a, a single storm. I mean, that's getting, that's higher than we have, that's higher than what we see in um, extremely strong hurricanes nowadays. Uh-huh. And just for, yeah. just for a snowstorm. I mean, things were different for sure. Mm, that's true. Uh. All right, we got a birthday back on March 14th, 1879, a very common household name. Albert Einstein was born in Ulm, Germany. His theory of rel- relativity... Le- oh, I'm doing <laughs> awful today. His theory of relativity led to new ways of thinking about time, space, matter, as well as energy. He received uh, a Nobel Peace Prize back in 1921 and uh, emigrated to the U.S. in 1933 where he was an outspoken critic of Nazi Germany um, in their political affairs. Believing the Nazis uh, might develop an atomic bomb, he warned President Roosevelt and urged the development of the U.S. atomic bomb um, first. And, you know, as we know it, uh, Albert Einstein played a huge uh, part and role into uh, the science and the research behind that. And uh, ultimately, it was used on Japan, on uh, Hiroshima. Exactly, and Nagasaki. And, that, and Nagasaki. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, him, you know, that's that's you know, there had to have been already work, you know, starting on uh, nuclear weapons or, or just nuclear anything around this time period. But um, with Albert Einstein being the physicist and being involved with what he, what a physicist would be involved in around this time period, you know, he is first-hand knowledge you know coming from germany about what's going on even if it's not necessarily public knowledge i mean you can someone like him would definitely know things about you know kind of the way things are going and you know when you when you leave you know that's not something that you should be keeping to yourself and so um (laughs) he ended up you know being a, a huge part of the ramp up in the u.s atomic weapons research which was you know a good thing in the long run yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, going way back on this one. On March 15th, 44 BC, uh, Julius Caesar was assassinated in the Senate chamber in Rome by Brutus and other fellow conspirators. Um, at first, he was trying to defend himself against the uh, murderous onslaught, um, but... After Caesar saw Brutus with a knife, his kind of famous line here, uh, et tu brut, which means you too, Brutus, um, Caesar ended up giving into the struggle and basically let himself be stabbed to death. Yeah, if it was my understanding, Brutus was one of like Julius Caesar's closest friends or um, Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, what am I trying to say? Like consultants or something like oh, that. Okay. They they were very close. Yeah. I know they had a long history together. Mm-hmm. And you know that was part of his thing. Like you too, Brutus. Is you know that was his response to kind of his shock of seeing you know not only am I being killed, but I'm being killed by someone who I didn't think was going to be uh, turning on me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, skipping ahead a year or two, March 17th of 1776, early in the American Revolutionary War, the British completed their evacuation of Boston following a successful siege conducted by 
the Patriots. So the event is still commemorated in Boston as Evacuation Day, which is really interesting, kind of how it, mm-hmm. how it all came to fruition. And even to this day, they, they still kind of celebrate it as their own little Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And that that's pretty neat. I was not aware of this before uh, looking into the show prep for March. And that is kind of cool that it's still celebrated today. I don't know yeah. how widespread that is, but it's cool nonetheless. Probably a good excuse to drink beer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, March, 18, March 18th, 1974, the five-month-old Arab oil embargo against the United States was lifted. Um, the embargo initially was in retaliation for American support of Israel during the Yom Kippur War in 1973, where Egypt and Syria... Uh, pretty much got blown away um and and going leading through that the u.s uh resulting embargo um it really kind of wreaked havoc on the gas and basically any petroleum market at the time um there were long lines of gas stations uh prices went up sometimes by 300 percent um just because of shortages and there was actually a ban on government ban on Sunday gas sales, as well as as well as uh, certain people were allowed to get gas on certain days of the week. I know a lot of it had to do with uh, your license plate, I believe. Oh, and so if it like depending on license, like your number and yeah, I think it was an odd. If it ended in an odd or an even number, then you can get gas on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Or uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then it was like, you know, if you had another number, if it would be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or something like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They should have done it in some weird way that made no sense. Like, if if the last <laughs> number of your uh, license plate is like the square root minus two of <laughs> three hundred fifty-four. <laughs> yeah, or if you like, so if you nobody take the would first understand. number. If you take the first number and the last number and add it together, and if that was an odd or an even number, then you can get sometimes maybe get gas on certain days of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just leave it at that, and that's it. <laughs> depends on depends on how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, birthday on March. I'm getting all the birthdays. March nineteenth, eighteen forty-eight. Wyatt Arp or Erp. Uh, was born in. <laughs> Ma- Do you know how to say his name? Yeah, Europe? White Herb. Everyone knows White Herb. Oh, White Herb. <laughs> Are you being serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm being serious. For some reason, it's not ringing a bell. Wyatt Earp oh. has uh, was born in Monmouth, Monmouth, Illinois. So he became a legendary figure in the Wild West as a lawman and gunfighter, best known for the shootout of the O.K. Corral in 1881, in which the Earp brothers, Wyatt, Virgil, and Morgan, fought and defeated Ike Clanton Gang. The the Ike Clanton Gang. Ike Clanton Gang. That's kind of a that's kind of twisty. That's a tongue twister kind of hard to say. I have a hard time saying it anyway. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to add? <laughs> no, I know that was riveting, but no, I think that's it. Oh, well, yeah, 1848. Okay, okay. You know, all men were created equal until 1848. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Looking out for all of our fraternity brothers out there. 
<laughs> Hopefully they're listening. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, may, maybe Kyle, but then again, he's also... Well, listening. Be... I don't know about listening. <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> I don't know. That was mean. That was really mean. <laughs> All right. Go uh, ahead. Okay. 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 March 21st, <laughs> 1943. Um, a suicide slash assassination plot by German army officers against Hitler failed as the conspirators were unable to locate a short fuse for the bomb, which was to be carried in the coat pocket of General von Gerstorf in two ceremonies Hitler was attending. <clears throat> that seems like a ridiculous reason to have that attempt failed. Huh. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like, was it, did they have it, and then as they were, like, on their way to the thing, someone lost it, or could they just not find <laughs> one I... in general? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stories about you know the conspiracies to try and assassinate Hitler throughout the uh, mm-hmm. World War II. And like, have you ever seen the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise? Um, that that no. was based around like assassination attempts of of Hitler. And it's so weird just how you know small little things changed it so Hitler never was assassinated, and how differently mm-hmm. it really could have gone if any of these attempts actually succeeded because like valkyrie kind of focused around one assassination attempt was the one in the bunker Mm -hmm. where the bomb was in the briefcase and just because it was moved to the other side of the peg of a table it saved hitler's life Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's bizarre things like that is just are are, they are bizarre yes i don't know i just thought that was a ridiculous reason for yeah you know a failed attempt i I don't know like yeah right at the time did you know some guy like searching his coat pockets or something like oh no where to go (laughs) don't (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right march 23rd 1775 Patrick Henry ignited the American Revolution with the speech before the Virginia Convention in Richmond, stating, "I know, w- I, wait, I know not what course others may take, but as far as me, I give me liberty or give me death." I think that's one of my favorite quotes of all time. You've said that about the other quotes. Well, there's a lot of quotes I like. <laughs> no, that, that's a, that's a great quote. It is. I like I know the other not one that's like that. What course others may take, but as for me, give me death or give me liberty. Give me liberty uh, or give me death. Why way to butcher it? <laughs> no, what's the other one? I, I like. I think it's Nathan Hale. Maybe that's the. Uh, you know my my only regret is that I have but one life to give for my country. That's another really good one as well. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good one. All right, another birthday. You're not getting all of them. March 24th, 1874. Uh, Harry Houdini was born in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, born in 1874 and he ended up dying in 1926. Uh, him and his family uh, came to the United States uh, as he was an infant, and they uh, they ended up in New York City. Boy, that, that was a tough string of words for some reason. <laughs> he he became he began as a Coney Island magician um, before becoming the world's fa- the world famous escape artist known for escaping from chains, handcuffs, straitjackets, uh, locked boxes, milk cans filled with water, 
Um, why I would want to crawl into a milk can filled with water I'd beyond me, but <laughs> they're not very big. Anyway. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> he died on Halloween in 1926 from a burst appendix. Um, ended up being buried in Queens, New York. But I don't know. The Dying on Halloween is is kind of fitting for a guy like Harry Houdini. Yeah, with so many questions surrounding him, nobody really knew tips, tricks, much about him. Just kind of an oddball. But, I mean, you can't yeah, think of magic and not say that Houdini was one of the greats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of fits as well because not only was he just kind of an oddball in general, but he was really big into the, uh, what would it be, the the spiritualist movement of the late 1800s, early 1900s with, you know, the seances and that sort of thing. It was really oh, popular. Yeah. And he was really big into that sort of thing for a little while. And so, you know, yeah. just kind of one more thing that makes it even more perfect that he passed away on Halloween. Huh. <clears throat> All right. Moving on. March 26th, 1992. Soviet cosmonaut Sergei Krikalev, um, or Krikalev, Krikalev returned to a new country, um, Russia, after spending 313 days on board the Mir space station. During his stay in space, the Soviet Union, or the USSR, collapsed and then became the Commonwealth of Independent States, now known as Russia. So he was up in space for almost an entire year, came back, and his country is totally different. How bizarre that, that is would, that? That would be. I mean, it'd be weird enough to be up there and then come back and say, after an election where there's a new president or, you know, new congress new senators that sort of thing but it'd be crazy that you come back and your country as you knew it is not even there <laughs> yeah no i mean did anybody <laughs> totally tell him do you think anybody uh, told them or they're like surprise <laughs> <laughs> no i mean this was 1992 so i mean communication was there was there was fairly good communication with you know some space station well we had we had good communication with you know the apollo astronauts uh-huh you know, uh-huh it wasn't fantastic, but it was good, you know. So I would assume in 1992 he knew what was going on, but they're not going to have time to fill him fill him in with all the details while he's up there. Probably so I'm not. sure there's quite a bit to learn when you get back as far as what went on. Yeah, I'd like to think that like <laughs> they just didn't tell him anything, and then communication dropped because USSR just wasn't a thing anymore. So he just went dark and was like, "I think I should probably go home." <laughs> yeah, like the entire like. Uh, <laughs> government facility that was overseeing his, that operation what he was staying there and they just like got up and left because it wasn't a yeah. thing anymore <laughs> they just got up and left and be like well our job's over yeah he like shows up on the 314th day and they're like oh shoot <laughs> <laughs> who are you again <laughs> yeah my bad <laughs> my b <laughs> uh, <laughs> march 28th 1979 Near Harrisburg, Virginia, the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant accident. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. What did I say? You said Virginia. Oh, wow. That's not even close. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant accident occurred in which uranium in the reactor core overheated due to the failure of a cooling valve. Um, and then, you know, making the situation a million times worse, a pressure a pressure relief valve then stuck open, causing the water level to plummet 
um, and threatened a nuclear meltdown. And kind of the for quite a long time after this accident, um, you know, there was a, a huge controversy over uh, the release of the radioactive steam into the atmosphere and pretty and over the safety of nuclear power plants. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's something we see debated. I mean, it was debated before then too, but the Three Mile Island always comes up in debates regarding nuclear power plants even till today. Yeah, I mean, talk about a situation that everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And it's just one thing after another just led to this catastrophic event where, you know, like it, it might have been okay where like the core overheated or something like that. That's fine. Or like a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then um, like the pressure relief valve then stuck causing water to level to plummet. And it's like it could have been fine maybe and controlled if it was just overheated and a cooling valve was wrong. But then mm-hmm. the water depleted, so they couldn't even potentially keep it cooled down um, without like an explosion or something. So it's just like one thing after another, like, oh, great, we can contain it here, but then this happened. So then now we can't. And it's it's just weird. Yeah. And, you know, it, <laughs> there in nuclear power plants, there are so many checks and uh, redundancies in the safety and that sort of thing. And, you know, that's great and all, but yeah, there's only so much you can do when just failures are compounding on each other like this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, there's, it gets to a point where it doesn't matter how much safety you have in there. You know, there's there's not a whole lot you can do if stuff is just everything is failing. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, as, as a side note, I mean, this stuff is so serious because it really can cause a huge catastrophic event in terms of, what could happen at at a nuclear power plant and i mean i've heard i've heard like one of the most stressful jobs out there is like a nuclear welding job where you like do oh, yeah. welding on a nuclear silo cuz can mm-hmm. you imagine how precise you have to be and then if anything goes wrong oh that could be nasty oh yeah it, you know it's one of those things i mean it's extremely valuable resource so it's it's kind of a, a high risk high reward kind of deal you know, so it's... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, rounding out the episode, got a couple more. We got March 30th, 1981. Newly elected President Ronald Reagan was shot in the chest while walking toward his limousine in Washington, D.C., following a speech inside of a hotel. The president was then rushed into a surgery to remove a twenty-two caliber bullet from his left lung. Um, he, quote, I, I should have ducked, um, as Reagan joked about the assassination <laughs> attempt. Uh, three others were also hit, including Reagan's press secretary, James Brady, uh, who was shot in the forehead but also survived. The president soon recovered from the surgery and then returned to his duties thereafter. <laughs> uh, what? I don't know. Like, I mean, I realize, I mean, tw- 22, it, it's it's still a gun. It's still serious. Um, and saying that, I mean, just, I mean, to get shot in the chest... And just joke about it. Ah, I should have ducked. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of like a jab to the potential uh, assassin. Like, <laughs> hi, you screwed up, and now I'm gonna make fun of you. Like, while there's still a bullet oh in me. <laughs> well, you know, like, oh, that's, I don't know. Yeah, it makes it. Yeah, 
I don't know, it makes my love for Ronald Reagan that much better. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, no matter what, whether it's like failed, I mean, even a failed assassination attempt on, on, on you know, a president of the United States, it, it's definitely something that shocks the nation big time. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <clears throat> so, rounding out the uh, this month in history, we have March 31st of 1933. Uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps, or CCC, commonly known as the Three Cs, uh, was founded, where uh, unemployed men and youth were organized into a quasi-military formations, just pretty much for order, um, and they were given work outdoors in national parks and in forests and that sort of thing. And this was another one of the FDR programs around the uh, Depression era. Yeah, really just try to find work um, and things for people to, to raise the spirit of the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. kind, kind and of that's, thing. And that's really all it did. I mean, it was more of a spirit thing than anything else. And, you know, pe- I, people talk about it. Oh, you know, these kind of these work programs, you know, finding jobs for people. Well, I mean, it was pretty much here's some money to go dig a useless ditch. You know, <laughs> I mean, not, not even kidding. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. And so it but was, hey, man, it put people to work. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that that's true, I suppose. <laughs> Were you going to say something? No, I'm not going to say anything okay, else. Okay, that. all right. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us here at Young Nostalgia <laughs> this week as we continue our journey through retro pop culture like i said we are coming up on the year mark for young nostalgia it's been amazing and it's great to see the show grow over time um from you know people out there and different countries around the world uh, as well as other sides of the united states it's great to have you here with us and you know br- bring you along in our laid back and, and fun style of delivering you know retro pop culture and things and, uh, that we appreciate it to this day as uh, we end up our first year of this month in history, I feel like it would be great to kind of change it up. And Ben and I have talked about it. That it would be kind of cool. To, so every year that we do the show, we do this kind of different this month in history. So we're thinking maybe of doing this month in history for music for the next year. Um, and then kind of changing it up and doing like this month in history for movies. Or you know what I mean? Just, just different kind of aspects mm-hmm. of history brought to our listeners every year so you know if you have a different idea let us know and we could always uh, incorporate it somehow either in you know different uh kind of aspects either of then and now or you know this month in histories or whatever we'd love to hear from you give us an email at young nostalgia 2017 at gmail.com um feel free to rate us on apple podcasts or wherever you listen we're out there on spotify podbean and Google Play. Uh, Podbean, you can find our links to our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Give us a shout out. Let us know what you think um, and start interacting with Ben and I. Uh, you know, if you love the show, it's great to hear. But, you know, if there's something that you want us to improve on, give us an email and uh, we'd love to uh, change it up to make sure that, you know, you, you guys are heard and we're doing um, what you guys want to hear for entertainment. Other than that, Ben, anything else, big guy? Nope, I think we nailed it. I think think so, too. It was a great show, as always. Uh, And, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, so much. It's been a pleasure, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keeping the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody.